Okay, we're carrying on this uh, series, Move, which we're basically responding to really where we, uh, we feel God is speaking to us and uh, kind of want to address a number of things. And, and really, we're asking God for a move, uh, that he would move and move in power. And uh, we're making some moves ourselves. We really feel God's leading us in this season of kind of multiplication and growth. And so we're addressing a number of, of topics uh, that we kind of really feel that God's laid on our hearts. As I said, we're going to be in Acts 6 in just a moment. Just these last few days, this last week, a number of us were here from New Community, along with hundreds of other leaders from across, uh, well, Europe really, for a few prayer days. We gather a couple of times a year uh, to, to pray together as church leaders and to really seek God together. It was an excellent couple of days. It was a real excellent reminder of what we're all about, reaching the nations of the world. It was a really encouraging uh, moment as well, just to catch up with some old friends, people who uh, have gone from here to other church contexts and to plant other churches. Chris Taylor, uh, who lots of you know, we planted a church with him about seven years ago into The Hague and now just multiplying all over the place, tons of different nationalities and nations, really very exciting. It was also uh, wonderful to catch up with Josh and Alina, who used to be here, who are now part of the team planting into Brussels and they're now gathering over 20 people every week, which was super exciting. It was also a wonderful moment to, uh, to pray for Pete and Sabina, who are just sitting down over here and we we're going to pray for them as a church properly because they're going to be going in a few weeks as they join part of the team, the core team that's planting into Berlin. This is what we're about, reaching the nations of the world. Really very exciting and I kind of just was stirred afresh about it and then as we're praying, we're praying in groups and somebody, I think from the, from the Netherlands somewhere, uh, came over to me and said, James, I won't do the accent. He said, James, uh, I, I just feel like God wants to, me to share this with you specifically for your Sidcup venue. I know that you've got a multi-site uh, context, but I just feel that God wants to just remind you of, of this and speak this for you. And he said, I just feel a sense of God wanting to say, remind you that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is here in this place, specifically in this venue that we have a, he said, I feel God wants to say, you, you have a missionary mandate to go. Yes, to go overseas. Yes, to go to Samaria and Judea and, and the ends of the earth, but also a commission to go here in your context, to go to your Jerusalem, which is Sidcup and these surrounding areas. There are many, many people in this place. And we ha you have a mandate to go again and again and again to people who live where we live, to the lonely, to the broken, to the lost. And the resurrection power of Jesus is in this place. Don't forget it. Give yourself to this Jerusalem. I'm stirred. I, I honestly am stirred about going to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You know that. We want to launch more venues. We want to plant churches. But I'm also really very stirred about reaching our Jerusalem, uh, reaching the communities where we live in this place, uh, in this community. And today, uh, across our venues, somebody else is actually preaching in all the other meetings. Sorry about that. You've got me. And part of the reason is I just really felt God wanted to speak to us in this particular venue this morning. And if you like, I normally go to one of the other meetings or another venue or I normally go to another church or I'm just checking it out. Hey, this is a word for you as well today. Don't believe in coincidences. believe God's kind of got something for us here today. So if you want to hear what's being taught in the other venues, you'll have to check it out online or go to another meeting later on today. But right now you've got me. We're in Acts chapter 6. And we're going to just look at the first seven verses. And really the, the context for Acts chapter 6 for these verses is pretty much explosive growth in the life of the church. 
So Acts chapter 1, the beginning of this book, is really all about the birth of the church. And Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke, who wrote wrote the book of Acts, he also wrote the the gospel of Luke, he says, verse 1, in my first book, which is Luke gospel, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And it's kind of like in Luke's gospel, this is what Jesus did in his incarnated body, how he walked on the earth, all the stuff that he did. And now in my second book, Acts, the book of Acts, this is what Jesus continues to do. Not through his incarnated body, but through his spirit, through the church, through his people, through people like you and I. And so Acts 1 is all about the birth of the church. Acts 2 is then the kind of the sense of the devotedness of the people of God. And it ends with daily the Lord added to their number. Oh wow, that's what we're asking for here. That daily the Lord would add to our number. That we would see people respond. That's the move of God. Oh God, would you break in and save people? Would you break in and and add daily the number into your household, into your family. And then we get into Acts 3 and Acts 4. And really, they're basically just loads and loads of stories of ordinary people filled with the Spirit of God doing some extraordinary things. The book's called Acts of Apostles. It shouldn't really. It should just be called Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of Ordinary People Filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what goes on. Sometimes we see it in quite dramatic ways in Acts 3 and 4. There's people getting healed dramatically. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. I give you in the name of Jesus and the beggar gets healed. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. There we go. That, that story, that's in Acts 3. It's an awesome story. I just want to continue the trend of singing in every single sermon I do. And then sometimes it's in dramatic ways. Sometimes it's in less dramatic ways. So we see in Acts 4, Joseph, a guy who was basically given, he got some land, he had been successful, he had got wealth, and he ended up selling it to give the money to the church so that the kingdom could advance. That's a less dramatic than, in the name of Jesus be healed, but wow, what a powerful story. Here's somebody goes, you know what, it's not for me, it's for this, I'm going to give, and the church is going to be advanced. We see it elsewhere, Dorcas, Acts 9, wonderful story, she just mends clothes to the poor. Like, not extraordinary, powerful in the full of the Holy Spirit, but full of the Holy Spirit. She does something extraordinary. She gives herself to the advancement of the kingdom of God. We see it in guys like Priscilla and Aquila, faithful disciples who taught a young upstart who, didn't, who was very gifted but didn't know what he was talking about, Apollos. And they said, let me just correct you in the ways of God. Ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's that wonderful excitement of, of the early church that just partners with the Holy Spirit on the great adventure of the ingathering of the elect from every tribe and every tongue. Their story is our story. The same power that conquered the grave lives in us. And so these incredible stories that we read of of boldness and courage, it's not, well, they're for yesteryear. No, they're for right here, right now. And the Holy Spirit leads us into all sorts of incredible adventures when we follow him. Church is hugely exciting when we live it out. And it's really not very exciting when we don't. And church is hugely exciting when, when filled with the Spirit of God, we go, okay, where are you leading us to? And I'm going to follow. And it can be exciting within these four walls. I'm not going to pretend that it's, it's not. It was wonderful what just happened. But it's even more exciting when we follow the Spirit of God outside of these four walls. And when we say, hey, God, I, I'm just going to surrender my life. Use me as you will. Give me an opportunity today. I've just been on a personal journey recently of, of praying, God, give me an opportunity today and where you lead, I'll follow. And if that takes me into some weird and uncomfortable situations, then I'm going to need you to back me up, but let's go for it. And it literally just happened, just over the last few weeks, I just started praying for that, has happened, and there's a number of stories, just one that's, that's just a cool story I just want to share with you of some stuff that happened. Basically, this is a long story, but the short version is, I get a phone call. 
And it's uh, a phone call from somebody else saying, there's somebody who lives down the road from us who is not a Christian, has no church background, knows absolutely, like not involved in church whatsoever, but they are experiencing paranormal activity in their house at the moment. And they don't know which way to turn. Can you go and help? <laughs> okay, what do you mean paranormal activity? And then I'm reminded, no, I've just been praying for this. God, give me opportunities. So we give a phone call. Yep, we'll come and see you. So I take Colin down, um, because just in case it kicks off. (laughs) He's bigger than me. And we meet this couple and say, so tell us your story. And they basically just share this story. They're they're not believers. They're not being brought up in church. The guy says, to be honest, I'm one of those. If I see it, I believe it. I'm properly cynical about all of this, but even now I'm getting freaked out. And they've got grandkids who stay there and there's kind of, uh, the grandkids is terrified and they've seen people in the, in, in the upstairs room and then outside the window and then they move into another room and they're seeing another thing and there's footsteps all over the place and for months and months and months like freaked out by all sorts of, well they just described paranormal activity and they didn't know what to do, they've tried everything and so in the end, well if there's a problem in your neighbourhood, who are you going to call? You call the Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure what they expected. And truth be told, I'm not sure that we really knew what we were doing either. But we walked around the room and said, you know what? Listen, we believe in this guy called Jesus who is God, who rules over all things. And so whatever's here is not of him. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we're going to cast out anything and pray against anything that might happen. So we went around all the bedrooms and did all this kind of stuff. And, and then we said, can we pray for you, for this couple? And they were like, okay. So we prayed for them. We said, can we now pray for the rest of your family who are coming and staying here? And they said, yeah, okay. And the guy says to us at the end, he said, I'm not going to lie. That was pretty cool. I was like, yeah, the response I was hoping for. Thank you. <laughs> so I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't want to say me neither. But we, he said, uh, he said, I'm not going to lie to you. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, that was, and he was really moved. And so we said, okay, well, listen, let us know how it goes. All the family over that weekend, from every, like literally every weekend, the family there for months and months and months. It's all been chaos. She rings the office on Tuesday morning, and uh, I said, ah, Colin Taser, how, how's it gone? For the first time in months, we had a peaceful weekend. How amazing is that? No freaking out, no footsteps, no ad, ad paranormal activity, just peace. Thank you so much. Now what? The power of Jesus over all things through very ordinary people like me and Colin. All right, doing extraordinary things because we're amazing. No, not at all. Just being faithful, saying, okay, God, whatever situation you're in, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to follow you. And that's what Acts 3 and 4 is. And Acts 4 ends with the believers having everything in common. There's no needs amongst them. They're of one heart and one soul, it says, sharing everything and everybody playing their part. Here's where we're landing. And Acts 5, we then get the first set of issues. Like serious issues. Some of you have read it, you know what's coming. Ananias and Sapphira. Whew. A, hey, Jesus loves you. Fun story. It's like, no, the consequences of sin when we lie and when we don't pursue him and we say one thing and do another and the Lord kills them. Wow. But the signs and wonders continue and Acts 5 ends with more people being saved and added every day. And it says, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Explosive, rapid growth. This is the context for what comes in Acts 6. So let's read it, these first seven verses. Now in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnamus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So here's what we see. In a church that is fully committed to the mission of God, that's really serious about reaching Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and ultimately the ends of the earth, a church that is advancing, a church that is growing in number, a church that is growing in diversity. Here you've got Hebrew speakers and you've got Greek speakers. A church that is multiplying, there's always going to be a stretch. There's always going to be tensions and there's always going to be a challenge. We see it here. The tension is that uh, there are certain sections of the church who are feeling neglected. It says in other verses, versions, overlooked. Because they're not meeting the needs of the people. See, the church has grown. It's gotten way more complex. There are way more people to care for. There are way more things that need doing. There are way more different areas that now need serving in a way that didn't necessarily need before. And once, whereas everybody knew everybody else... And everybody knew what was going on with everybody else. And everybody knew every area of church life. And knew that therefore everything was getting done. As a church grows, this becomes a whole lot harder. It becomes a little bit more complex. You have to become a little bit more intentional about the way you do things. It becomes harder to, to, be, to know what's going on. It becomes harder actually to be known, ironically, even though there's more people. It becomes harder to... Even know where some of the areas of weaknesses are. And it can be really easy in a church that is, that is growing and is getting larger that, well, somebody else is doing it or someone else is better than me at doing it or, well, I, I, I don't really think I can do it or I'm not really needed to do it or I'm not even really sure where I'm needed. I'd love to help, but I don't really know where to. And the result in a growing church, as we see here in Acts 6, is that people or entire areas of church life end up being neglected or feeling overlooked. And this manifests itself, this kind of idea of feeling overlooked manifests itself in different ways. Here it was because they weren't being fed in the daily distribution. Some were being overlooked in terms of others. It was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? But this feeling of sometimes of feeling overlooked can manifest itself in different ways. If you've been around for a while, it suddenly feels like, well, you're out of the loop. You used to know everyone. You used to know everything that's going on. And, and now you don't. You don't really know the fullness of everything. And you think, well, that's good, but I'm not really sure what's going on now. Or if you're new, ironically, it can feel like it's, it's kind of hard to get involved. Because for sure, everyone's really, really friendly for the first six weeks. Or the first eight weeks, maybe. And then it's like, well, you're not new anymore, so I'll be friendly with someone else. And just assume that you're part of things, and you're connected in, and you're, and you're hooked in. And, and so now you can feel a little bit isolated. And whereas everybody was, it was one, and ooh, now it's a little bit unsure of what to do next in order to fit in. For some, feeling neglected or overlooked basically feels like you're exhausted, I'm the only one doing this. I'm running around doing this. I'm working my backside off, and yet I'm shattered. Like, why can't anyone else help me? Take the strain, take the weight. For others, that feeling of being overlooked can look, feel a little bit like disappointment. Kind of think things are going to work out in a particular way, and then they don't. And the thing is with disappointment is that, frankly, it's faith-shattering. Unless disappointment is dealt with, it leads to cynicism, and cynicism is deadly. It robs faith. 
It does not add to it. There's no such thing as healthy cynicism. I'm a healthy cynic. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're a cynic who's just kidding yourself. There's no such thing as healthy cynicism. And disappointment leads to, uh, to kind of to cynicism, and cynicism robs and destroys. And here's the thing. However it works out, think of uh, being feeling neglected or feeling overlooked or unsure. In a growing context, that tension is very, very real. It's very real. And in Acts 6 here, we see the underlying problem really is a lack of community. There's a lack of community and there's a lack of serving. There's, there's basically a gap in the life of the church. Things have moved forward so quickly that kind of all the stuff behind it that makes it all work has not yet been caught up and is unable to keep up. And there can be a temptation when we see gaps to say, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop everything. Stop this advance, stop this multiplication, stop doing new things. Let's just cut back on all of that. Let's sort all of this out before we move forward. Let's stop what we're doing, sort out all the issues, and then we'll be ready to go again. And I completely understand that kind of idea. In fact, it's very, very sensible. It seems, of course, let's just stop everything, fill in all the gaps, and then we can move forward again. And you think, well, yeah, that's great. And many times churches do that. It's like, go, 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 whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, pull back. Let's sort it out. Now let's go, go, go again. Here's the thing. We, we just don't see this here. Verse 2, the leaders gathered everyone together and they said, the solution, the answer, is not for us to cut back on the preaching the word of God. Well, that phrase, the preaching the word of God, that phrase there, it's a phrase that Luke uses that's synonymous with mission. You see it in verse 7 here. It says, the word of God continued to increase. It didn't mean there were more sermons. It means the advance, the kingdom advanced. It means the mission advanced. It multiplied. It went again. The church grew. The kingdom was extended. It's, it's not for us to pull back on the advance. No, 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 no. The answer to being stretched, the answer to tension is not to cut back on the mission, not to cut back on pressing ahead, not to cut back on multiplication. The answer is to strengthen on the move. To address these things as we go. And the truth is, really honest, that building a church is a bit like building an aeroplane whilst trying to fly it. It's a bit like at 35,000 feet recognizing there's a whole bunch of holes in the plane. And, and oh, instead of, well, the best thing to do would be to land it. But if we land it, we're going to crash. So what we're going to try and do is patch the holes as we go. And so really, that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to fly this thing, keep this thing moving forward and fix it as we go. And extend bits to it and add bits to it and repair bits to it as we go. But thank God we're not doing it in our own strength and none of it's for our, glo- our glory. We're actually not even building the church at all. Jesus is. And it rests on him. And he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so as long as we're pursuing him and putting one foot behind the other in following him in every moment, do you know what? We'll be okay in the end. There might be some big holes in the fuselage and that's the extent wings. That's the extent of my airplane knowledge. But there might be some holes in it. But by the grace of God, we'll get there because we're not building it. He is. And so what we're going to do in these next few moments is try and patch and fly at the same time. There's just a number of things I kind of see in these verses which I think are really... Uh, helpful, that we need to remind ourselves of, that we need to think about, that we need to allow ourselves to be provoked by and work out where do I need to make a move in all of this. And the first thing we see here is that they were honest about the issue. Verse 1, a complaint arose. There's no pretending everything's okay. There's no kind of stiff upper lip. We'll all just pretend and no one ask any questions and everyone just keep smiling and it will all be fine. No, no, no. A community that is marked by the gospel, a community that understands grace, is a community that is honest about the issues, corporately and personally. 
You see, personally, we have nothing to hide and we have nothing to hide behind because it was not our ability or our skill that got us in here in the first place. Jesus Christ sought you out. You didn't find him. He found you. You didn't suddenly make yourself spiritually alive. He, you were dead. He came and made you alive. And it was all a gift of grace. And so because of that, we've got nothing to hide. We don't need to keep up appearances because it wasn't your appearances that got you here in the first place. In fact, it was your appearances. Your appearances were you were dead, stinking rotten. <laughs> that was your appearance. And then he made you something beautiful. Wow, that changes things. And in a large crowd, especially when we worship and everyone seems so smiley and so happy. Well, most of us seem so smiley and so happy. You can have that sense of, I can't really be honest about where I'm really at and how I'm really doing because I'm going to muck it up for everyone else. Everyone else is perfect and it's just, no, they are not. There's an honesty that the gospel frees us to. I'm in a great place. Great, I'm in a terrible place. Well, let's do something about it. And the gospel frees us to be honest per, per, personally, but also corporately. I'll be honest with you. We've got some issues. Like in this venue, we've got some challenges. It's not a weakness to admit it, it's just a reality. Things have moved forward at such a pace that we've got some challenges. Our teams are stretched. They're stretched. Every single one of them is stretched. And you might think, well, that seems to be working fine to me. Yeah, because they've got some brilliant people who serve on them and hold it all together with sticky tape and glue, just about patching it up each week. The truth is our teams are stretched. Truth is our, our fringe, if you like, is too big. It's too big. Now, if you were a guest and you're looking in on us, you are so welcome. Please just keep looking in on us, honestly. But you're, you're hearing the inside track of what we're really about in this moment. <laughs> But there comes a moment where it's like, actually, it's far too easy just to slip in and slip out. It's far too easy just to be a big part of a big crowd. And here's the thing. If we were just about building a big crowd, that would be fine. I wouldn't care. Like, just keep slipping in and slipping out as long as you're here each week. That would be wonderful. In fact, just be here for the count, and the rest of the time, you're free to do what you want. <laughs> but that's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. We've never been about just bums on seats. We're about everybody playing their part and being equipped and released to the things that God has called them to. Not just numbers in a crowd, but individuals called by God, gifted by God, who we, our job is to release and equip to do the things that God has called you to do. And every single one of us has a part to play in that. We've got some other issues. We'll address some of them in the next few weeks as well. But here's the thing. They were honest about it. Second thing we see is they addressed the issue. They didn't say, well, the byproduct of a bigger church is, well, it's just tough. You can't really know everyone. You can't really care for everyone. Just have to accept it. Get on with it. No, 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 no. They did something about it. Verse 2, the leaders, the 12, summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word. So pick your brothers and sisters out from among you of good repute, full of spirit, whom we will appoint to this duty. It's like, okay, we've got this problem. Let's not ignore it. Let's do something about it. And we don't want to swing all the way from mission to all the way back to, let's just sort all the issues out. And No, no, no. What we want to do is we want to guard community. We want to guard the one another. And we want to ensure that that's really strong and advance on mission at the same time by doing what they did. Third thing we see is they got the right people doing the right things and they released more leaders. You see, guarding community, advancing on mission, reaching our Jerusalem and preparing some to go to Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth, it looks an awful lot like getting everybody involved. Now, the what of what that looks like looks different for each person. But of the seven they initially chose, they ended up soon doing some very, very different things. Verse 3 says, they picked out those of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And Stephen and Philip, they were the first two mentioned. Stephen and Philip, this is like the moment of release for them as leaders. 
Because presumably up until this point, they'd just been faithfully following, but now is the time for them to step up and lead. And it looks different for both of them. Stephen, if we carried on reading Acts 6, he, uh, kind of, he ends up doing some incredible things. He ends up doing great signs and great wonders. He's preaching powerfully. He's seeing the gospel advance. He stays in Jerusalem. He doesn't go anywhere. He gives himself to the preaching of the word, to the mission there. And he ends up being a great witness to the power of God. And he ends up being martyred and stoned to death. But he does some amazing things. Philip. He actually does leave Jerusalem. He leaves, we read in Acts 6, he ends up becoming an evangelist in Samaria. And he's involved in ultimately the gospel spreading to Ethiopia. He meets an Ethiopian eunuch and shares the gospel with him and baptizes him. And that's where the gospel then goes to Ethiopia. And then he ends up finding himself moved by the Holy Spirit to Caesarea. And he's there for at least 20 years because in Acts 21, Paul visits him there. So you've got these two guys released into leadership. One stays in Jerusalem, one is released and ends up going to Samaria. And, and well, Caesarea is not quite the ends of the earth, but at least 70 miles away, which in those days was quite a long way away. But then we have the other five guys. None of them are ever mentioned again. They just get on with meeting the needs of the church in Jerusalem. It doesn't mean they're, they're less important. It means that they're faithfully serving Jesus in what he has called them to do. And if no one else sees what you're called to do, if you're faithfully serving Jesus, Jesus sees. And your name is written in his book of life. And that is way more important than anything else. And these five guys are not mentioned again. And the word used in Greek here is diakono, which literally means to serve, to help, or to render assistance. These guys are like, what needs doing? Let me help. Let me serve. Let me render assistance. And in Acts 6, we see the people took responsibility they grew in faith and they depended on the holy spirit see for some of us for some of them and for some of us that means stepping into leadership stuff some of you here have a call of god on your life and you know it there's a leadership gifting in you and you know it and some of you are doing your level best to fight it and pull it back and some are worried about what that means and does it mean is, am i going to be perceived as arrogant by coming and talking about that boom, 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 boom. here's the thing if God's in it, God will do it. Our job is to faithfully follow him and submit and surrender to him. Not worrying about what others do. <laughs> no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're in a shame-free zone, everything we hear about last week. I'm pursuing you, Jesus, and what you have for me, I'm going to follow. I'm going to do. And so for some, they stepped into leadership. For some, it may end up meaning, for some of us here, that you go to Samaria or the ends of the earth. Samaria is just the next place along. Might mean going to the ends of the earth, but that journey of adventure, you know there's a call of God on you to go somewhere else. That journey of adventure, it starts here in this Jerusalem, in this place, being full of faith. That was Philip's story. He gave himself to be following Jesus faithfully, and in a moment the Holy Spirit raised him up and moved him on. But still, it starts where he was, serving the Lord in his context. Not worrying about what the future might have, but living in the here and now. And for some of us, that's it. Stop worrying about what the future might have. Let's live here and now, giving ourselves faithfully to following Jesus and let the Holy Spirit worry about where he's going to end up moving us to. But what we see here in verse 5 is that this pleased the whole gathering. Pleased the whole gathering. Everyone is involved. You see, load of us in this room are never going to go anywhere. We're here, reaching our Jerusalem. And that doesn't mean we've got nothing to do, because the gospel came to you, not to stay with you, but that it might go to somebody else. And there is an awful lot of people in our Jerusalem right here who do not know anything of the good news of Jesus. 
And so we have a big field to go and play on. We have a big area to go and play in. We have a lot of freedom to, to go and play. And some of us have a leadership calling on us to help us do that. You don't need to go anywhere to exercise the leadership calling. Stephen stayed in Jerusalem. There's plenty of space here. Do we need some more creative entrepreneurial leadership types? Yes, we do. Do we need some more bold and courageous folk who are going to pursue things of the Holy Spirit regardless of what he, where he calls us and what he calls us into? Yes, we do. Do we need some more who are skilled in pastorally caring for each other? Yes. Do we need those who have got gifts of mercy? Yes. Do we need those who can lead us into intercessionary prayer? Yes. So those who are anointed worship leaders who can lead us into the presence of God? Yeah. Those who have got gifts of administration? Yes. Those who, who can lead from different cultural backgrounds who can lead in a different way? Yes. Those who, who have got great gifts of faith who have just got extraordinary faith to give in a big way yes we need those or lead us in a different way those who can hear the voice of God and can lead us more and more and shape us prophetically those who've got practical leadership skills yes 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 those who see a gap and go someone needs to do something about it I got an idea can I do it yes we need those people here's the thing the lesson from these verses is not pick seven people to do the stuff and then we'll be fine you'll do one two no 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 The lesson from these verses is that all of us, whether we have a leadership calling or not, have a part to play in serving, in helping, and rendering assistance. In giving ourselves so that the word of God might increase, that the mission might advance. We've all got a part to play. And here's what's so wonderful. As we do, verse 7, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Wow. As we align ourselves, as we give ourselves, as we play our part, the word of God continues to increase and the number of disciples multiplies greatly. This is not a formulaic promise. If you do this, then this happens. One, two, three, step. We'll go quick, do. No, no, no. This is as leaders step up into the things that they know God has called them to, as everybody begins to play their part, the number of disciples multiplied. And that cycle of guarding community and advancing on mission just continues. And we see here in Acts 6, there's, there's no kind of like begrudging reluctance to help serve or help or render assistance. This is not like, hang on a minute, leaders, you just said you're basically going to do the important stuff and you want everybody else to do the non-important stuff. I ain't in. That ain't fair. That's not the way it works. No, 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 no. no. no that's, not, that's not what happens here at all. This is recognizing that church is a body, and it's to function like a body. My left hand does not sneer at my right ear and say, yo, bro, what do you do? i got a ring on my finger, i got a watch on my wrist. What have you got? you got nothing. You don't do anything. No, it, it, it recognizes that it has a distinctly different thing to do than this. And even that looks similar. My right hand and my left hand look very, very similar, and yet they do different things. I can write with this one. I can't with that one. Well, I can, but it, it, it looks worse than my three-year-old. At no point does any part of my body sneer at the rest of my body and go, you're better than me or I'm better than you. No, 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 we go together, doing different things, functioning in very different roles. And we see that exactly here, the part of the body with different functions and different gifts. We see here, it pleased the whole gathering to ensure that the preaching of the word advanced. You see, as they served, as they rendered assistance, the people of God kept the big picture of what they were all doing in mind. They recognized that all of this, all the bits I'm doing, these small parts here, this bit here, it serves the advance of the mission of God. Doing this serves that. 
that. And it's all part of this, we all move forward together. You see, as I go forward, my left hand and my right ear go at the same space. I mean, vaguely, sometimes my left hand can go in front of my right ear, and occasionally, if I'm really weird, my right ear can go in front of my left hand. But, but generally, my body goes together at the same place. Where I am, it all is, all in one go, or else it's no longer part of my body. And that's the thing here. That is exactly the picture here. And all my right ear and my left hand and my little toe and all the rest of it, they understand the bigger picture of where we're going as I'm walking this way. And later I'll get in my car and I'll drive home and I'll do that. They understand that bigger picture. They're not frustrated. Why do I have to sit in this car with this seatbelt on? This is... No, it's recognizing that you do that in order to get there. And that's exactly what happens in the people of God when we see that, yes, I'm playing this part, but it's all serving that you see you can guilt people into serving we got loads of holes come on slackers fill in and most of you because you're all like really good people will go okay (laughs) and do it and it'll last for about two weeks or it'll last until like the first baby and crash has a stinky nappy and then you'll be like give up call the mom call the mom quick and you'll think I'm not doing that again or whatever it might be but here's the thing when you see the much bigger picture it's not a duty it's a delight you see the bigger and bigger picture and it changes your perspective. So I might be serving in kids' ministry. I've got to look after the kids. It's basically crowd control. It's flipping mental. Whoa! No, 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 no. It might be, but here's what I'm actually doing. Every week I'm playing my part in, in, in tr- equipping and training future church planters, future kingdom builders, future culture shapers. You know, I see in the bigger picture of what's going on and it changes my perspective. It doesn't make it always easier doesn't suddenly make it well I'm big picture therefore kids is kids work is a breeze no it's not it's just as hard as if you were doing it out of duty not out of delight but the reality is you see the much bigger picture and you recognize what you're giving yourself to and we've bought a life we think that anything worthwhile is supposed to be easy because it's not and so when I see that big picture I'm just on crash how how on earth is crash helping serve the big picture big mission of God well because it absolutely is because you've got a parents, mums who are spending every minute of their week with this baby not getting any time and attention on anything else other than itself. I mean I remember having kids, it was really hard for me and I basically didn't do much and so that moment we're serving our kids in Christ because we're giving them our parents 90 minutes or so in the presence of God, not distracted by anything else, to be equipped and fueled by the King, by God, by Jesus Christ coming and being with them, they're sitting under the teaching of the word so that the rest of this week I can live out my life to the glory of God that's what we're doing when we're serving on Christ, you think, I'm just on a host team. I just put out the chairs. Is anyone going to really notice? Well, yeah, because they'll have to stand up and they'll be annoyed about that. But far bigger than that is actually we're creating an environment of hospitality in this place. It says, this is my home and you are welcome into my house. And when you come around to my actual house, I don't just say to you, hmm, find yourself, make yourself at home. Yeah, that'll be fine. You do it. I, I say, no, no, do you want a drink? I'll come and serve you. I welcome you. I say, let me take your coat for you. I put it over in our house. We don't have anywhere. It goes on the banister. But it's that kind of, that, it's like, that funny moment. Can I take your coat for you? And they go, yes, yeah, so you just do that. <laughs> but in but in this place this is uh this is uh this is our home and so i'm on the host team i'm i'm doing that i'm serving my creator it's the same stuff it's just a very different perspective i'm in a community i just turn up because i'm told no 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 i'm in a community i'm sharing my life i'm sharing my experiences i'm learning to follow jesus and i'm helping others do the same and I'm not very far along this journey, but I'm a bit further than that person, so I can help them get to here. And they're a bit further ahead than me, so I, I can follow them as they pull me along as well. And as we end in this, here's some big lessons for us. Just sense of this, these are some big lessons for us in order to make a move from these few verses. Dependency upon the Holy Spirit. They're full of the Holy Spirit. 
Dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you leading me into? Where can I play my part? How have you uniquely gifted me? What are you calling me to? What opportunities do you open up? Where can I serve? Where can I play? Is it in gifts of faith? Is it in gifts of serving the poor? Is it in gifts of administration? Is it in leadership? Is it in whatever it is? How can I play my part? Second big lesson for us is, is growing in faith. Growing in faith in whatever it is. God, grow my faith that it might be more than it is right now. Grow my faith that the next step, the next bit, the next is that's the moment of breakthrough. Grow my faith to believe that the part I'm playing is truly making a difference to the kingdom of God, knowing that it is. Grow my faith that I trust you, Lord, with everything I have. Lord, I, I believe I've got this gift of faith, but I need faith to exercise it. I believe I've got this gift of leadership, but I need faith to exercise it. I need faith to believe that there is no condemnation because I've mucked up and I've screwed up. And, and some of us, we've got to get honest about this. I've made some mistakes. Here's the thing. We've confessed your sin. He is faithful to purify. And the moment you do, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For all of us, it's time to make a move. Whether that's addressing some issues, stepping into things that... God has called you to, whether it's stepping into a community and playing your part in that, whether it's serving on a team, everybody playing their part, doing the little bit they can do, start on the host team, come be part of us, join the kids, whatever it might be. For all of us, it's time to make a move in terms of our levels of faith and our dependence on the Holy Spirit. What's, what's your next step? It's the next move. We all know God's speaking to us. We all know there's different stuff he's calling us to. What's God saying? What are you doing about it? And if you know God's, if you think, I'm not sure God's saying anything to me right now, I just want to humbly suggest get into community with others around you and you'll soon learn to discern the voice of God. Because you're going to struggle if you're just trying to do it by yourself. Because you were never designed to just do it by yourself. A Christian by themselves is a bit like a, a brick without a wall. You're designed to be in a wall. You're designed to be part of something. You're not designed to just sit there by yourself. But for those of us who you're in that, you know God's putting you some stuff in your heart of where to step in, of where to step up. What are you going to do about it next? Because it says in James about those who have been hearers of the word but not doers are like the guy who looks in the mirror, looks at himself, walks away and forgets what he looks like. There's a difference between hearing and doing. And here's the thing, we don't do out of any sense of obligation or else any sense of duty we do out of a delight because of the one who saved us and redeemed our soul the one who added us in who counted us in and now all of my life i freely give using all the gifts that have come from him anyway it's not arrogant listen it's it's not arrogant to use the gifts that god has given you because he gave them to you you didn't earn them you didn't make yourself like this you didn't choose that's what i'm going to be like he gifted you in them so use them step into them 